The Iranians were rising up. They don't like that government. They don't like the Nazi government in Tehran. And they're now being mowed down, slaughtered, raped, imprisoned, God knows what. You know, I try to do this show in a way that reflects how I think, how I approach events and so forth. And so I try to provide you with information you may not otherwise have. Mark Levin, a prominent figure in the conservative movement who is noted for his insightful comments, has continued to be an outspoken opponent of Vice President Joe Biden, examining a variety of areas of Biden's political career. The Department of Justice has become the rogue operation of the federal government under Joe Biden and his Attorney General Merrick Garland. It is controlled by the Democrat Party and the radical left. And I have to tell you, as somebody who served there for many years, first as Associate Deputy Attorney General, then as a Deputy Assistant Attorney General, then as Special Assistant to the Attorney General, then finally Chief of Staff to the Attorney General, in my view, the greatest Attorney General, Edwin Meese. You can always record us on the DVR. Ladies and gentlemen, there are many issues confronting this nation that are grave and dire to the people of this nation. But I want to focus on two. We have two great guests tonight, and I want to discuss it with them, too. Senator Ted Cruz and Congressman Byron Donalds. But before we get to them, you know the situation with immigration. I don't even know why we call it immigration anymore. It's not immigration. Like we have some kind of managed system for people to emigrate to the United States. And we politely call them immigrants or people without documents and so forth. We have a full-fledged invasion going on. The majority of his attention is focused on the claims of improper conduct and ethical problems regarding the economic transactions of the Biden family, in notably the participation of Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, in several international business endeavors while his father was serving as vice president of the United States. Because of our current policies, Trump was Israel's greatest friend in the Oval Office ever. Can that be said of Obama or Biden? No. Biden reversed everything. Biden rebuilt the Iranian war machine. I'll prove it in a minute. I'm sure the reporters and others getting information from the Biden Pentagon and White House won't tell you this. No, no, no. I'll tell you this. Biden rebuilt the Palestinian war machine. They were all on their heels. That's why there wasn't a war when Donald Trump was president between the Nazi terrorists and the Iranian Nazi regime and the Israelis. And the Israelis today are paying with their lives. I told you, I'm not candy coating a damn thing around here. And I'm not going to. Now, what do I mean that Biden rebuilt the Iranian war machine? Well, the $6 billion is in this account and it'll be that account. And Okay, forget about the $6 billion. Although, the idea that a president of the United States would give $6 billion or allowed to be given to the Iranian regime that threatens the United States of America, that's unleashing holy Nazi-like hell on the Jewish people in Israel, and is threatening to get nukes? That's insane! In and of itself! Levin's objections focus on Hunter Biden's positions in a Chinese private equity firm and a Ukrainian energy business called Burisma Holdings. This department, this department is destroying America. It's destroying the 2024 election. It's violating every norm, every tradition, everything it inherited to ensure that that department could be trustworthy, 
and could be reliable, but it has criminalized politics. And I want to say this, if we don't break the back of the Department of Justice, and I will explain what I mean in a moment, it will destroy this country and we won't be able to claw our way back. This is not hyperbole. I'm not trying to be provocative. I don't need to be or have access to. So I'm not going to just go through a conga line of guests. I'm not just going to do headlines. I want to dig deeply with you. And I think that's why you come to this program on the weekends. And tonight will be no different. There is something going on with Obama, Biden, the Democrats, and the way they run foreign policy. It's mostly done at a superficial level, if done at all, in terms of examining it and discussing it. So I want to dig much further into this because it's affecting peace versus war and our survivability. It's a complete ideology that is an ideology that endangers us as a country and a superpower. So let me start with a piece in Tablet by Michael Duran and Tony Badrin. What is going on in the Middle East? What is going on with Iran? Why do we have an administration that harbors uh, Iranians who infiltrate and who are given classified positions at the highest level of our government? Why are we literally funding and allowing the funding of our enemies in the Middle East, starting with Iran and the Palestinian terrorists? I mean, do these people hate America so much that they're willing to fund our enemies? Now here, let's start. CNN, exclusive special counsel prosecutors question witnesses about chaotic Oval Office meeting after Trump lost the 2020 election. Multiple sources told CNN, stick with me. CNN, former Trump campaign official cooperating with special counsel in 2020 election interference probe. Sources familiar with the matter told CNN, CNN, exclusive Rudy Giuliani interviewed in special counsel's 2020 election interference probe. Who says so? Multiple sources familiar with the meeting. New York Times, prosecutors sought records on Trump's foreign business deal since 2017. Who says? Two people familiar with the matter. New York Times, investigation of Trump documents case continues after his indictment. Who says? according to people familiar with the matter. Washington Post, Justice Department, asking 2020 fraud claims as well as fake electors. Who says, according to people familiar with the matter? Along with a number of other conservative voices, he is one of the proponents of the theory that Joe Biden reportedly exploited his power and position as vice president to further his son's financial interests in a number of international companies. Who do these leaks help? Do they help Donald Trump? Do they help a single witness? It's the federal government. It is the Biden Department of Justice. It is the Democrat Party's Department of Justice that's interfering in the election and trying to do many other things. Look, I asked my, my brothers and sisters over at Landmark Legal Foundation, of which I am chairman, I said, go back about six months and pull up all the leaks from the New York Times and Washington Post and CNN involving Donald Trump. Here it is. Look at this. You see this? These are the leaks from grand juries to witnesses to Mar-a-Lago to the nature of the classified documents. Leak after leak after leak. And I limited it to CNN, the New York Times and the Washington Post. Look at this. 
What are they doing? What are they? Oh, don't jerk around the Department of Justice, the former Attorney General says. Who's jerking who around here? Is this how you run a case? Is this how you have a judiciary in the country that sits there and rubber stamps every damn thing? Look at this. This isn't intended to be a real case. Here's the ABA rules, special responsibilities for a prosecutor, rule 3.8. And I cut through to the chase. The prosecutor in a criminal case shall, except for statements that are necessary to inform the public of the nature and extent of the prosecutor's action, and that serve a legitimate law enforcement purpose, refrain from making extrajudicial comments that have a substantial likelihood of a heightening public condemnation of the accused and exercise reasonable care to prevent investigators, law enforcement personnel, employees or other persons assisting or associated with a prosecutor in a criminal case from making an extrajudicial statement that the prosecutor would be prohibited from making. Let me ask you a question. Mark Levin has made it clear that he's concerned about what he views as an inadequate probe and public scrutiny of the economic links of the Biden family. I think this will help us understand a little bit better. Among other things, what uh, Doran and others write here is, on April 2, 2021, Malley gave an interview to PBS that raised eyebrows in Jerusalem, Riyadh, and in Congress. This guy, Malley, he was the head envoy for Obama and then Biden with Iran. Why would they pick him and who is he? Ahead of nuclear talks in Vienna, where the Europeans were about to host indirect negotiations between Biden officials and Iranian representatives about resurrecting that Obama deal. Malley expressed an eagerness to lift American sanctions on Iran and ensure, quote, that Iran enjoys the benefits that it was supposed to enjoy after the deal. Trump killed the deal, peace broke out, Biden comes in, even before he's sworn in, they send the messages to the enemy, uh, we're going back to Obama. May 1 statement by Abbas Akhachei, Iran's lead negotiator in Vienna, said the American negotiators, he claimed, had already agreed in principle to remove sanctions on Iran's energy sector, we see what that's done, automotive industry, financial services, banking industry, and ports, to eliminate, in other words, all of the most significant economic sanctions ever imposed on Iran, and they did it. And they told them they were going to do it. And they did it fast, and they got nothing in return. But even the Israelis have yet to absorb the full scope and magnitude of Biden's accommodation of Iran. Remember, this is written in 2021. The problem is not that Sullivan, our national security advisor, and Blinken, the secretary of state, are failing to restrain Mali, but they are marching in lockstep with him. A consensus reigns inside the Biden administration, not just on the Obama nuclear deal, but on every big question of Middle East strategy. Everyone from the president, that is Biden, on down agrees about the need to complete what Obama started, which means that the worst is yet to come. And what does it mean? Improving relations with Iran, a terrorist state. He claims that mainstream media sources have not given these charges the attention they deserve. And he often accuses these publications of being biased in their reporting. Iran's illicit oil exports hit five-year high. Free Beacon, Adam Cradle. How is that possible? We have sanctions on the oil. How is that possible? Trump put sanctions in there. Well, Biden didn't exactly lift them, but he's not enforcing them. Listen to this. Iranian oil exports, a principal source of income 
for Tehran's cash-strapped regime increased by 35% from 2021 to 2022. Gee, who was president then? Indicating that the Biden administration is not enforcing sanctions meant to prevent these sales. Oh, there's more. Get ready. I bet you haven't heard this all day. Amid this uptick in Iranian aggression, the Biden administration has failed to enforce sanctions on Tehran's oil trade, which benefits China, Syria, Venezuela. Iranian oil sales stood at $44 billion as of August 2022, a 77% increase from Trump's last year in office. With analysis attributing the rise to President Biden's, quote, terminally lacks sanctions enforcement. Although the Biden administration has been armed with the intelligence information to seize at least six illicit Iranian oil ships in recent months, it has detained one ship in the past year likely to appease Tehran amid diplomatic talks to restart the 2015 nuclear deal. Biden has also provided sanction waivers, permitting Iran access to $10 billion that was frozen in Iraq. Oh, that's $6 billion in that account and that account. Biden is funding Iran and rebuilt their damn military after Trump had it on its back. Let's be honest now. In addition, Levin expands his criticism beyond the economic activities of the Biden family, calling into doubt President Biden's decision-making and policy execution integrity in the process. As a result of the purposeful and intentional inaction of the Biden regime, it's intentional what's going on on that southern border. And what's going on? Death. Almost 800 people have died on that border. We have sex trafficking and not just of grown women, of children. It's grotesque. We have fentanyl, other lethal drugs pouring into the country and killing up to 100,000 Americans every single year. We have murders. We have rapists coming across the border. People who've been deported nine times, 11 times, 14 times back in the country. We have drug cartels that now have footholds in every single state of the union. Now, this is unsustainable. I understand that some Democrat mayors are now upset. Some Democrat governors are now upset. Where the hell have they been? You look at these border states. What's going on? Well, they've turned Arizona blue. They've turned Nevada blue. They've turned New Mexico blue. Some of these were at least competitive states. They're turning Georgia blue. They've turned Virginia purple towards blue. And their main goal is to take out Texas, because as I've said before, once Texas goes blue, the nation goes blue and there's no turning back, either under the popular vote or the electoral college. He's quite vocal in his criticism of the many different policy initiatives and administrative measures that have been done by the Biden administration, which he frames as being harmful to the interests of the country as well as the Constitution. The fact is that sanctions relief to Iran is fungible. And Iran has been using these resources to go from, listen to this, America, this affects us, 2% enriched uranium and not installing advanced centrifuges under the Trump administration to racing towards nuclear weapons under Biden, becoming a nuclear threshold state enriching more than 60% enriched uranium. 2% to 60%. Can you imagine if the Iranian Tehran Nazi regime had nuclear weapons today because that's what's coming. And then Biden has secret negotiations with the Iranians. 
Congress can't even get access to the information other than eight or so people. They keep saying, what are you negotiating? We need to know what's going on. And they keep pushing them away, pushing them away. I don't have to tell you anything, the administration tells Congress. Then they pick exactly the wrong guy, this guy named Malloy, to negotiate, who's sympathetic with the Iranians. And now, of course, he doesn't even have a classified, uh, uh, what do you call clearance. What's that all about? I'm just getting started. Biden reverses Trump policy on aid to Palestinians. Fox News fails to condemn recent terror wave against Israel. Our enemies see all this. They see appeasement. Am I not supposed to talk about Biden and appeasement? Was Churchill not supposed to talk about appeasement? Oh, Mark, you're being political. No, I'm telling you the truth. President Biden reaffirmed his commitment to a two-state solution. You know what a two-state solution is for Israel? It's the final solution. Look, that's just Gaza. You're going to have two states? What, are they going to have an air force? Are they going to have uh, missile silos? What, what, what's this second state going to look like? And announced plans to bolster U.S. financial aid to the Palestinian people, reversing multiple policies implemented by, you know, that horrible Donald Trump. During his comments, the president touched upon his administration's plans to implement a series of economic and confidence-building measures aimed at improving daily life for Palestinian people living in the West Bank, Gaza. But he stopped short of condemning Palestinian terrorism. Gee willikers. This Democrat party is all about power. It could care less about the inhumanity that's going on on that border. Kamala Harris doesn't give a damn. This is partly her assignment. Well, look at her assignment. Then we have to hear from these Democrats, like Gavin Newsom, one of the worst governors in the history of any state, tell us that she's qualified. She's been there, Nancy Pelosi. She's qualified, Kamala Harris. If you dare to question her, ooh, you're either misogynist or a racist. Well, of course, that's the fallback position, if not the frontal position. In his... 412-year career in Washington, D.C., Joe Biden's been to the border once. And even then, he saw Potemkin Village. They cleaned out the streets, they cleaned out the cages and the detention centers, and he shuffle around, and he's wondering what the problem is. They keep certain Border Patrol away from him so they can't complain to him, and that's that. Then we have a cabinet secretary, this Mayorkas, who tells us the border's secure. Have you ever seen anybody tell a bigger lie in your life? While he oversees and he knows exactly what's taking place on that border. And so this is the Democrat Party. This is not nature doing this. This is the Democrat Party doing this. And then there's another issue front and center. Spending. Spending. In the next few days, the debate will be whether the House Republicans shut down the government or not. The continuing conversation between Mark Levin and Vice President Joe Biden is illustrative of the larger ideological divide that exists in American politics. This project to create a new Middle Eastern order, so that's their project. Just like they want to re-engineer American society, fundamentally transform it, they claim that they can do it in the Middle East too. Now spans two presidential administrations. And so he calls this project, the realignment, that it should fall to us at this late date to name a project on which many talented people have been working for the better part of a decade is more than a little odd. Typically, presidents launch initiatives as grand as this one with a major address, and they further embroider their vision with dozens of smaller speeches and interviews. 
One searches in vain for Obama's speech of a new order in the Middle East, or for that matter, Biden. Obama, it seems clear, felt his project would advance best with stealth and misdirection, not aggressive salesmanship. Biden, while keeping Obama's second-term foreign policy team nearly intact, is using the same playbook. He's been lying and lying and lying to us, Biden, about how he's taking on Iran and how he's supporting Israel. He and his aides recognize that confusion about the ultimate goal quote unquote, makes achieving it easier. That is by lying and deceiving we the people. Indeed, confusion is the realignment's best friend. The bargaining between Washington and Tehran that started the minute the administration took office, even before the Vienna negotiations began in April, messages were winging their way from Tehran to Washington through intermediaries who interceded with ideas about how the U.S. could relax sanctions without formally lifting them. And those sanctions have not been formally lifted and they will not enforce them to this day, right now. As a result, Sullivan and Blinken delivered documents to Tehran and lots of them. To give just a few examples, the Biden administration dropped American objections to a $5 billion international monetary fund loan to Iran. It rescinded the Trump era policy at the UN, which had triggered the so-called snapback mechanism, a move to reimpose international sanctions on Iran for its violations of the deal. It released frozen Iranian oil funds in South Korea, Iraq, and Oman, and now you know the spigot is wide open. The realignment, you see. Another word is appeasement. What's this realignment all about? Well, I've been thinking about this. The Biden, Blinken, Obama, Sullivan ideology and doctrine is this, unstated, but now stated by me multilateral and international institutions. In American Otherwise, politics, contrasting points of view often result in heightened scrutiny and criticism of prominent figures. The prosecutor hasn't come out and said, this will be Jack Smith. Look, we see there's all these leaks. I'm taking it upon myself to do an investigation. Not a single judge that's been involved in these cases on their own. And they have the power to do it. Say, wait a minute, you can't do this to a defendant or a would-be defendant. You can't do this because you violate their Fifth and Sixth Amendment rights. You can't have a jury, a jury that's objective. And the goal of the leaking is to make sure they don't have a jury that's objective anywhere in the United States of America. Enormous quantity of leaks, an entire pattern, grand jury leaks, leaks about witnesses, or even the nature of classified information by the government, even in its public filings, but even more in its leaking. Prosecutions, litigation strategies leak. Secret filings with the district court on attorney-client privilege and the crime fraud exception. Leaked. Who is receiving subpoenas for what? Leaked. Trump's business dealings. Leaked. You've got a pattern on this document case. You've got a pattern on the January 6th matter it is unmistakable, it's unequivocal. All roads go through the Department of Justice. All roads go through Jack Smith's office, the special counsel, who to me ain't so special. Now the Trump lawyers need to wake the hell up and do something about this. Levin's charges and statements highlight the intricacy of the link between political power and commercial interests, reflecting worries about the possibility of conflicts of interest in high-ranking posts in the government. 
In other words, weaken the United States' central role, core power, superpower status. We're just another player among many players. So you have to weaken our power and empower those we're negotiating with or those in a region to bring them up pretty much parity. Now that is outrageous, particularly with terrorist regimes or China or Russia or what have you. So you reduce America's superpower role. U.S. power must be balanced by the power of other countries. This is their view. That is a view out of the 1950s, the hard left in America. There's nothing new about it, but it is disastrous. And so this is what leftists believe today. But there's another problem we have. Those of us who believe in a foreign policy that should be based on prudence, that is, we're not ideological about it, we're not interventionists in every situation, but on the other hand, we don't believe in sitting on our hands in every situation unless Kansas itself is hit by a nuclear bomb. That's insane. So this is essentially isolationism. And this is backed by these so-called populists. It's not new. That, that was uh, what took place prior to the attack in World War II on the United States at Pearl Harbor. And it came under the, under the nomenclature of America First, by the way. And that's the 1930s. While Hitler was building up, Atoja was building up, Mussolini was building up, many of our allies were under attack, Britain was directly under attack, begging for help. No, 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 no. We don't want to get involved in that war. Well, it's a funny thing. Our enemies are not isolationists. And they will do whatever they have to do to advance their insane goals. So this is based on uh, basically the uh, unwillingness of the Bush administration when we went to war in Afghanistan to go to war to win a war. So it went on and on and on. And people cannot support these so-called forever wars, and they don't. Uh, they didn't really want to actually defeat the enemy. And we had all this talk about not harming civilians as well. But even worse was the so-called democracy project in the Middle East. It's about terrorist states. Or you're talking about third world countries that are led by monarchs and dictators. You know, the democracy project, as I think about it, wasn't all that dissimilar from what Jimmy Carter did to the Shah of Iran. He supported his being dethroned, and then we got this regime in Iran. But both of these ideologies are based essentially on appeasement. They're not based on prudence. Prudence would say, okay, this enemy needs to be treated this way, this enemy needs to be treated this way, we can deal with economic sanctions on this one, this one we need to have surrogates who help us fight them, we may have to get directly involved in this. That's prudence, using judgment. This continuing discussion acts as a microcosm of the larger conversation taking place within the political landscape of the United States of America over ethical standards and transparency in the conduct of public officials and their families. The president also said the U.S. would increase financial contributions to the controversial U.N. agency, UNRWA, that supports and advocates for Palestinian refugees adding another $200 million to its budget to become the largest donor country. You see, the Palestinians want their refugees. They want their people poor because the head of the Palestinian regimes, whether it's the authority, whether it's Hamas, they ruin their people. You basically have mobster-type 
Nazi thugs running everything. All the money comes through them. They divide their economies up. They have relatives. They have consigliaries that run everything. Well, look at this one, Newsweek. Biden's Teller Force betrayal. What's that all about? Joe Biden's recent gift of $235 million. Oh, he's pouring the money out. In aid to the Palestinians violates the spirit of the Teller Force Act. It betrays the memory of Teller Force himself. Who was he? He was a West Point graduate, U.S. Army veteran, and graduate student at Vanderbilt University. He was 28 years old when he was murdered in Israel by a Palestinian terrorist named Bashar Mahab on March 8, 2016. Mahab wounded 10 others in his attack before being killed by the Israeli police. His family immediately attained celebrity status. Oh, under Abbas, that's the Palestinian Authority, the good ones, you know. Celebrity status. And you know what they awarded him? They awarded his parents a big pension. Much of it paid with our tax dollars. So Congress said that's enough. So did President Trump. Two years later, the Teller Force Act was signed into law, ending all future aid to the Palestinian Authority unless and until the practice of rewarding terrorists and their families through the Martyrs Fund is ended. They didn't end it. So Trump put an end to it. And guess what? Joe Biden is ignoring the Teller Force Act. And so, the money continues to flow. The new funding was just one part of Biden's apparent plan to reverse all of Donald Trump's Palestinian-related policies. And then look at this. Just the other day, New York Times, Democrats tell Biden Saudi-Israel pact needs concessions for Palestinians. Here's Israel and the Saudi crown prince, this close to a peace deal. And Biden interrupts and says, uh, not so fast. We need concessions to the Palestinians. Democrats, 20 Democrat senators signed a letter. No, 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 no. No deal until there's more concessions to the Palestinians. You know, folks. It exemplifies an essential component of democratic oversight and highlights the significance of the media in its role as a formative influence on public opinion. If you're an isolationist, call it populism, call it America first. You're not America first. And you're not prudent. And certainly the Biden-Obama uh, ideologies are completely destructive. So we have this confluence of ideologies taking place in our country right now. And it's a serious problem. I want to get into more about Tony Blinken and this guy, Mally, who've been running our foreign policy behind the scenes pretty much. This is a piece by Martin Peretz. Martin Peretz is the former editor-in-chief and owner of The New Republic, which is a liberal uh, publication. It's become rather left-wing over the years. Uh, Peretz was considered sort of a left-of-center liberal and a Harvard professor. And in part, he writes, In lieu of asserting himself, the Secretary of State has approved the reopening of nuclear talks a few years back with Iran and outsourced them to Robert Malley, whom he appointed or allowed to be appointed U.S. Special Envoy to that country. It is Blinken's also important to keep in mind that these accusations and claims will continue to be a part of the larger political discourse. We're the Senate Republicans. Matter of fact, in this whole immigration issue and border issue, we're the Senate Republicans. What are, what are they proposing? Are they using their power? They have a lot of power in the Senate. They have the filibuster power, they have the budget power. They can influence and affect all these issues. Where's Mitch McConnell? Is he still with us? And how about the others that surround Mitch McConnell? Where are they? Cornyn, Thune, Barrasso, and the rest of them. Are they just placeholders? 
The majority of the Republicans in the Senate, they say nothing, they do nothing, and then when they run for office, they don't have any principled position, so what do they do? They blame us. Furthermore, different viewpoints and investigations may lead to contradictory results, which highlights the complexity of political commentary as well as the complications of evaluating the behavior of public figures. Blinken's reliance on Mali and Mali's own history of finding any opportunity to engage with groups and countries that demonstrably align themselves against American interests point to a large lacuna so far in the otherwise sober vision Blinken has laid out. This internationalist vision, which I don't think is sober, I think it's destructive, but nonetheless. Says it's worth noting here that Mali, besides being an architect of Obama's Iran deal and a longtime proponent of outreach to Iran and Hamas, is a childhood friend of Blinken's. The two grew up together in Paris. Mali is the son of a European-style Jewish communist with anti-imperialist politics and links to Yasser Arafat and Fidel Castro. This is the guy who was our envoy. Can you believe this? The assignment of Mali, who when he's out of government runs has inherited anti-imperialist priorities through dogmatic internationalists like George Soros, for whom the idea of a national interest is inherently suspect, 